Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Greetings! Well, here we are again for another episode of The Legend. That is Richard Dean Anderson, in a show called Legend. The 1995 vehicle for RDA which only lasted one season, unfortunately. This is rather an enjoyable comedic western. Anyhow, on this episode of the Stargate Archives, we'll be looking at the episode The Gospel According to Legend. This first aired June 12th, 1995 in the US, directed by Michael Vjar, well-known for directing Voyager, Babylon 5, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, episodes of MacGyver and Magnum P.I. The episode was written by John Considine, He's also written for MacGyver, Lou Grant, Murder, She Wrote, and Boston Legal. Certainly got a bit of pedigree. Okay then, the opening scene. We see, slightly out of focus, a wagon approaching the camera. A bit of gospel music. Obviously this is going to be a plot based upon a religious element. Quite sure Ernest is the religious type. And neither is legend. But <laughs> let's see how it turns out, shall we? Strangely enough, the townsfolk of Sheridan seem rather curious about these travelling preachers. I don't believe we've seen the church in the town. It makes you wonder if there actually is a fixed religious establishment. We certainly get the idea, though, that these might not be, shall we say, holier-than-holy speakers of the word. Ernest comes to the balcony of his hotel room, dressed in his underdrawers. Rock in the shades, I've got to say. And the preacher pulls up and announces to the crowd that his name is Mordecai. Played by Robert England. <laughs> My name is Mordecai, and I bring you glad tidings from the Lord. Okay then, why not? He's preaching a, a revival, or what would eventually become a revival in modern America. A religious gathering under the tent in the outskirts of the town. Singing, dancing, preaching, healing, laying on hands, I assume, all of that. And of course the, uh, the collection at the end of the sermon. And Ernest knows him. He calls him Willie the Weasel. And Ernest is not very happy at all. The Professor and Ramos are at the general store collecting some goods. He sees Ernest, bids him a good morning. The professor seems uh, rather taken by the spectacle. Until Ernest points out that Willie the Weasel has spent a decade in Alcatraz. For embezzlement and fraud and all sorts of nasty things. But the Professor good of heart he is, actually believes that, uh, well, he's reformed, he's preaching the good word. No. <laughs> Ernest has a totally different take on the <laughs> circumstance. As soon as these folks find out who their preacher really is, they'll show him the downhill road right out of town. And then Mordecai looks up and sees Ernest, and the look on his face, oh, oh he's not happy. <laughs> he's coming to the wrong town. But I'll give him this, he's quick. He realises that he's got to do something, and so takes his hat off and tells the crowd who he was, what he did, confessing his sins. Bloody genius. <laughs> Absolutely genius. Pulls a rug out of Ernest, anything Ernest says, straight away. I served ten long years for my crimes, and while I was in jail, even as St. Peter and St. Paul did, I... I saw the light. And as the crowd hallelujahs and cheers, we go to credits. 
we're back. We're in a, a small dining house. Mordecai's about to have his meal. The Gospel according to legend appears on screen and he says grace. And at that moment, Ernest makes his entrance. Now there is a vignette I never figured to see. Willie the Weasel at prayer. Worthy of P.T. Barnum's Museum of Curiosities. Well, this took an interesting turn. Mordecai offers his hand, Ernest, of course, refuses to take it. They both sit down at the table. And then Mordecai offers the deal. You know, this is obviously your little territory. If I'm going to do business here, I'm going to have to pay some sort of levy, some sort of consideration. So he obviously thinks Ernest is running a scam of some sort. You know, that legend is a money-making endeavour. Of course, as we know that, the legend of legend is pretty real. <laughs> Ernest has done most of the things, at least recently, that uh, he's written about. He also points out that they're both selling books. The Bible in one case, and Amazing Adventures of uh, Nicodemus Legend in the other. And if people believe they're getting something by going to a revival, then who is he to deny them? It's the age-old question. You know, are people being fooled, or are people allowing themselves to have hope? even if it doesn't really make any logical sense. Anyhow, Mordecai invites him to this evening's revival meeting, tells him to bring along the professor. Already knows about the professor, which makes you wonder. Now, obviously he was surprised when he saw Ernest, so he didn't know he was here before, but maybe he's already asked some questions. Hmm, intriguing. Okay then, we're at the professor's. He's talking to Edgar Taggart, played by Tim Considine. In relation to the writer, one wonders. <laughs> it looks like uh, he's funding some experiments that the professor is doing, including one about rain-making. So I think we're going to be seeing the major plot element of this episode. Mordecai is going to be preaching about bringing rain to the drought-stricken land. Meanwhile, the professor is doing some scientific experiments into rain-making. And the two are no doubt going to clash. At this point, in walks Ernest. And of course, Taggart knows him as legend. He's very impressed with the man. We get the backstory that uh, Taggart is heading part of a organisation that gives out uh, grant money for scientific endeavours. Obviously, the professor wants the fifty thousand dollars, and we could do a fair amount of celebrating with fifty thousand dollars, you know. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ernest invites the professor to the revival tonight, but he's going to be a bit busy, so he says, "Take Ramos. He's he studied theology at the Harvard." Ramos is a, a man of many talents, and, and you've got to love the line. Really? Theology? A good scientist always hedges his bets. Brilliant. Later that night, we're out to the uh, revival tent, quite full, singing a hymn. Ramos is impressed. He's seen people that he's never seen before in town. Ernest points out that they are probably the shills, the embedded employees of the revival. They're to encourage donations, offer testimony on the benefits of living the good life. Mordecai makes his appearance, announces that there's going to be no collection. Ernest just <laughs> rolls his eyes. And then we hear a roll of thunder, and we get a shot of, in the distance, the professor's lab. Electrical experiments, rain-generating experiments. And this is where we get the twist. Mordecai, very much in disdain, announces that the professor, he knows about the professor, the scientist. And then he brings up Charles Darwin, another scientist who's preaching, preaching against the Bible and for evolution. Even in today's reasonably well-educated <laughs> uh, Western cultures, there's lots of people who, who don't believe in evolution. So in the Wild West, well, he's got a captivated audience. Could it be that the drought 
is nothing more than the dryness of our souls yearning for the holy water of the gospel. Amen, brother. Yes. Does God care? Of course he cares. The answers are here, though. Not in the false god of science. Blimey, that escalated quickly. Within a couple of minutes, Mordecai's got the crowd so riled up that they are going to storm Professor's home and his laboratory. Satan is living and prospering amongst them. What did the Professor say early on? He can't do any harm. He might actually do some good. Well, Professor, I think you're mistaken. Exactly why Mordecai is angling after the Professor, I'm not quite sure yet. Is there some agenda beyond the obvious that rallying up the crowd against an individual, against a group, must always be exploited by the dishonest, the manipulative. And it won't be the first time this happened, won't be the last. Either way, the professor's in trouble. And it looks like Ernest isn't quite sure what he's supposed to do about it. The next morning, Ernest and Ramos are busy telling the professor that he should be mildly concerned. While the townsfolk do acknowledge the fact that he's helped them many are rather scared of him he is still an outsider after all and his ways are not theirs but he's going to turn he'll get some supplies and uh, well I think the professor is in for rather a shock but the people of Sheridan are my friends with all due respect professor the people of Sheridan don't understand you some are even afraid of you we see a group of children run away from the professor a young woman the look of shock on her face as she scurries off, and then, and then he he gets served with a summons to go to the town council, basically being accused of causing the drought. Yep, people always like somebody to blame. It makes life easier to tolerate your own misfortunes. That is uh, unfortunately part of the human condition and alive and well in 2020. They arrive at the telegraph office. They get some information from Ernest's contacts saying that Mordecai is part of the Creation Foundation out of Denver, which sounds as if a well-funded organization that has a certain agenda. Nice touch that the telegraph operator wasn't taken in by the preacher's words, as he points out. He studied electricity for his job. He knows how the science works, so he's certainly not going to be afraid of what they've been telling about the professor. Reveals that education is the key to everything. You have a populace that are well-educated, you're not going to get this kind of hysteria. <laughs> you get a population that believes oh, it's got to get way too political so well, let's drop that and just return to legend and the steam powered chariot is on fire as the crowd look on we can assume that somebody set it to fire too much of a coincidence for it to spontaneously combust either way nobody's calling for the fire brigade nobody's trying to put it out so the professor flicks a switch and it looks like some carbon dioxide spews out of some nozzles and puts the fire out and the professor turns to the crowd. You are my neighbors. I thought you were my friends. What have I done to deserve this? This is America. These things don't happen here. We are free to live as we choose to live. I come from a country where that is not true. And so do some of you. Have you forgotten what it was like? Have you forgotten why you came here? Again, a speech that is as relevant now as it was in 1995 or 1895, 1795. Very nicely written, very nicely delivered. Right, showdown time. The boys are off to this evening's revival meeting. <laughs> they should be interesting. Basically, what we have here is 
kind of a two-way battle of minds of wit. Mordecai is still rallying up the people against anything that can be considered anti-religion, anti-the good book. Ernest is being careful to tread that path. He's not willing to say that he does not believe in God, whereas he's basically admitting what most people of faith would agree with. He doesn't know. But of course, Mordecai has an easier time of it. It's going to be easier for him to prove that Ernest, a.k.a. Legend, is somebody that they shouldn't listen to. One of the women in the congregation, oh, we've got nothing against Bartok, you know, but he's a scientist. <laughs> That's how quickly this has become, despite the fact that even now, growing food, three-crop rotation, fertilizers, basis in science, even if you don't really believe, understand it, or can see it, it's there. If I could only explain. You see, it's not that difficult. It's not that mysterious. And it's going reasonably well for Ernest as well. He, he might be winning the day. Unfortunately, the professor can't help but butt in. And as soon as he starts uh, speaking, the techno babble and gobbledygook kind of loses the audience quickly. <laughs> and Ernest says, go and sit down, you're killing me here. <laughs> but Ernest is not done. He points out that uh, the husband of one of the women in the crowd, uh, he was saved by Bartok's hot, <laughs> hot restarter. <laughs> so that science was good. And when they moved the river to bring irrigation to one of the farms, that was science as well. It's going well. Ernest could win the day <laughs> until one of the chemicals that are in <laughs> the professor's pocket ignites and starts spewing, spewing red smoke, <laughs> which, is, which is not good when you're considered the spawn of evil. Oh dear, oh dear. And as the professor runs out of the tent spewing red smoke, Mordecai kind of wins the day by pointing out that, well, maybe he's not the devil, but he needs help from the Lord. Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> uh, oh, well, never mind, Ernest. Good try. Uh, the next day, it looks like the professor is feeling a bit sorry for himself. He's packing a bag. He's been invited to Edinburgh. Lecture on AC current. Remorse is uh, still hoping that they can do the science experiments to generate rain. And the professor says that these people don't need his help. Yeah, being a little bit mardy. But Sandy's ground, he's got to win, win this fight. Otherwise, whenever anybody says boo to him, he's going to run. But Sandy's ground. Because unfortunately, Mordecai wants you out the way. For why? We still don't know exactly why. Normally, in, in a Western tale, this would be about land or resources. Land, nothing special about Sheridan that we know of. It's a drought, so there's not much water. So water seems to be the key to a lot of things in the West. I'm sure we're going to find out, but at this point, I'm still a little confused. The Professor finally sees Ernest's point of view. Mordecai still isn't uh, passing around the collection plate. He's been financed by these guys in Denver. And so the only thing to do is to go to Denver and find out. Cue the legend air balloon and hopefully the winds are blowing in the right direction. Which they are. Fantastic. And they're in Denver, which looks rather a small town. <laughs> I think this is a side street of Sheridan, if we're being honest. Anyhow, the dress they've got for this uh, Creation Foundation is an empty lot with a mailbox. So, yeah, something strange is afoot. So the Professor and Ernest are going to stake out the mail mailbox because somebody is collecting the mail. And this is a nice take on <laughs> kind of a modern police or a detective scene. They're staked out in a, in a taxi cab, a horse-drawn carriage. They promised the driver, the cabbie, that they'll include him or his wife in his next novel. A small carriage pulls up, a woman gets out, goes to the mailbox, 
collects the mail and drives off. Follow that carriage. <laughs> That's from one of your books. <laughs> I've quoted myself. Very nice. It's not going to be a high-speed pursuit, that's for sure. And the first piece of the jigsaw puzzle fits. The woman gets out of the cab and goes into a building. Open Range Research and Development Corporation. There is a mind behind this whole scheme. This isn't just a preacher looking to save lost souls or a, a con man looking to fleece the public with a prospect of salvation. This is a, an insidious plan. In fact, Open Range is owned by Edgar Taggart, who we've met before, friend of the professor, which makes you realise where Mordecai got his information from. Interesting. The boys are going to find out they are going to break into the building that evening. Our heroes do some shady things, but in the name of good, so it's all right. They break into Taggart's office, have a look through his files, can't find anything relevant, and there's a there's a lockbox, very heavy. The professor whips out his... Well, basically, it's a gun that spews liquid nitrogen, or gaseous nitrogen. Freezes uh, the metal, making it crumble. Clever. You are about to witness the first application of the Bartok Arctic Liquidic Air Mist. Don't inhale. It might freeze your nostrils. And a quick strike with a hammer, and the box is open. And at this point, door swings open, and a young man with a gun, obviously building security, demands an explanation of what they're doing there. The two guys look at each other and Ernest goes into his spiel. Now, given that the guy is clever, he's quick. He tells him who he is, Nicodemus Legend. He's there for a security inspection, puts the onus on the young man. Why wasn't he there sooner? Nearly gets derailed when the bloke says uh, his sister's got Nicodemus's pictures on her wall. How old is your sister? Creepy, Nicodemus, creepy. <laughs> But, again, the guy is clever. Young Daniel here is played by Brendan Kincaid. Legend continues to lay it on thick. He, agree, he agrees that he'll lie on his report that Daniel actually got there a lot quicker. And because his sister's a fan. And he gets, he gets him to uh, actually show him to the door. And brilliant, brilliant work there by. Well, that was the plan. They get, nearly get there as well until they run into three men armed shots fired and the professor and Ernest have got to give themselves up. Nice little bit of cinematography as we see the silhouette of the windows as they both stand there in the darkness with their hands held high. Not quite sure how Mordecai got there so quick though. I mean they travelled by balloon and not exactly slow but thought they'd had enough of a head start. I wonder if they were spotted earlier that day. And as the two men are held at gunpoint by Taggart Mordecai, let's slip the plan. They want Dry Spell to continue, discredit the professor's rainmaking work, so they can sell a new formula of fertilizer, which I assume works well in dry, arid conditions. Then again, I suppose that you don't even have to work well. If you, if you sell enough of it at the beginning of the sowing season and then do a runner with the cash. But then again, I suppose you could always argue that the fertilizer worked, but it was the farmer's fault and sell it again. New and improved formula. Evil. I promise you that when your superiors find out what you've been doing... I don't think that's a problem we need to worry about, Professor. The two men continue to play word games. As Ernest points out, Willie's just a two-bit hustler, backroom dealer. He hasn't got the character to commit murder. I'm not quite so sure about that. Taggart, of course, he's a little bit worried he didn't agree to people getting killed. 
But Willie's thinking long term. He's doped up the re residents of Sheridan that they'll do the dirty deed and he can wash his hands of it. And we return to the Bartox scientific laboratories in Sheridan, where some of Mordecai's men have probably been sabotaging the place. <laughs> yes, they're definitely sabotaging the place, including tying up the Professor Ramos and Ernest inside. They're kind of skipping over the uh, the travel time. I'm not sure how far Denver is from Sheridan, but did they leave balloon in Denver? They must have done, surely. <laughs> uh, let's not worry about that, though. I'm sure it'll turn up in another episode, safe and sound. And we return to the revival tent where the people of Sheridan are being primed. Mass panic and chaos that is generated through a bloodthirsty mob. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't good. This isn't good at all. The townsfolk burn down the tower, where the three men are tied up. <laughs> Who can save them now? Onward, Christian soldiers! <laughs> and it is really classic angry mob. Flaming torches. Don't see any pitchforks, though. Give them that. Yep, this is a scene out of Frankenstein. There's a reason it's a classic. It looks like Ernest has got himself on his feet, his hands and feet are tied, so he's hopping around the building. As he reaches a wheel, which he grabs by his teeth, starts the turning it. I'm sure this is attached to something critical. I'm not quite sure yet. I think I can see where this episode is going, though. But uh, let's see if I'm right. Oh, nope. <laughs> Ernest is unable to turn the wheel and falls flat on his back. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. This show does like to uh, build up expectations and... Pull the rug from under you. I tell you, Mordecai is more in pirate mode at the moment. <laughs> he really does sound like an angry pirate. Strike a blow for the Lord! Burn down the tower! Burn it all down! Burn down the tower. Burn it. Cleansing fire. Send Bartox all to heaven. It's amazing the evil that can be done by quoting scripture and speaking the word of God. And kudos to Skeeter, who actually stands up and calls for calm before he gets taken out of the equation by one of Mordecai's men. The flames begin to spread, townsfolk are cheering, mob rules, Ramos this time heads for the wheel and tries to turn it himself. This is positively gothic! <laughs> this is positively gothic. Thank you, Professor. And here we go. This is where I thought it was going. The Professor has set up that rocket test to make rain and it's all set to go if you remember Chekhov's gun and all that Skeeter hears voices coming from the barn from the tower as Ernest plunges the plunger down lightning shoots across lights up the sky and the rockets are fired and detonate big explosions and as the crowd are distracted Skeeter breaks into the barn and starts to untie the men Hopefully the rain's going to come and save the tower, but uh, they've got to get out now because it's burning quite well. <laughs> I don't know, what took you so long? Ungrateful, sod. And the heavens open up. Rain starts falling. Now, this can go one of two ways. This can be a sign from God that the professor is a good man. Or it can be that <laughs> Mordecai is a bad man and this is signs at work. Both explanations work depending upon who you are. And that's when Mordecai spots Ernest, who's just jumped out of the barn. And he gives chase and grabs him, falling into the mud. 
and punches start flying. Ernest gets to rant a little, release some of the tension. He who spreads hate eats mud! Ernest Pratt, chapter and verse, to be determined! Guilt the, uh, the townsfolk as they walk away in the torrential downpour. A few people apologise, but I think there's going to be a, a nice long talk in the morning, or the next time the professor goes into town. And then we get a nice little twist. Ernest is convinced the professor made it rain, but the professor says no, the fire destroyed the chemicals before the rockets launched. So they couldn't have caused the rain. So what did? The hand of God? <laughs> Coincidence. Take it how you will. Well, I'll be damned. Darn. I'll be darned. Well, let's get out of these cold clothes and into a warm toddy. And that was the gospel according to legend. Fantastic performance by Robert Englund. Great guest star as Mordecai. Nice story. You would have thought, well, I did thought it was some sort of land grab. But selling fertilizer that deals well in arid conditions, that's an unusual one. You'd have thought naturally there'd be plenty of parts of America that could benefit that. Why go to all this trouble? But never mind. Nice story, nice plot, good performances. Very entertaining. Great episode. Thank you, everybody, anyway, for joining me for this look at Legend. Uh, still a few more episodes to go before this season is finished, the one and only season. I really should do more of these. I do enjoy them. It's just actually sitting down and making the time, unlike a lot of people. I haven't been quarantined. I've been working all the time, so I've looked at people who are getting... Uh, I can't complain. At least I'm earning money. That aside, anyway, if you want to get in touch with me on the Stargate archives... To be a guest, talk about an episode of Stargate SG-1, Atlantis or Universe, but not Infinity. Just get in touch. Email stargatearchives at gmail.com. Stargatearchives.com is a website. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter, at The Gatecast. Also on Tumblr. You can find our links on Apple Podcasts and the Google Music, Stitcher as well. Feel free to listen. We've got the entire back catalogue of Gatecast episodes. All 398 of them, 50-odd episodes of Stargate Archives as well. Have a listen, rate, review if you want. Uh, please get in touch if you want to be on the show. I'd love to get a few more guests on. It hasn't been too easy recently. Everybody's got other things to do. And there's been a, an explosion of podcasts and other, other material to listen to. That has been a, a great benefit of people staying at home and having to find something to do. <laughs> Loving listening to uh, Suan Braun chat with fellow Stargate actors on Hathor Hose. And of course, Simone Bailey, who also doing a YouTube chat with her fellow actors as well. Great shows. Links in the show notes. Okay then, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. Keep watching Stargate. Keep reading Stargate. Novels, fan fiction, whatever you do. Just enjoy the show. Until next time, I've been Mike. Take care. Bye-bye.